From high atop Rocky Road in Moab, Utah, it's KZMU News. I'm Emily Ernson. This is your news for Tuesday, August 15th. On Friday, a federal judge dismissed a lawsuit filed by the state of Utah that challenged President Biden's decision to restore two national monuments to their full size. Bears Ears and Grand Staircase Escalante National Monuments have been hotly contested areas in the past decade. In 2017, under President Trump, both national monuments shrunk by nearly a million acres. Then, in 2021, President Biden returned the national monuments to their original size. This spurred lawsuits from the state of Utah, Kane and Garfield counties, and an off-road vehicle organization called the Blue Ribbon Coalition. Those who filed lawsuits believe Biden abused his authority to designate national monuments under the Antiquities Act. This is Steve Block, legal director for the Southern Utah Wilderness Alliance. Congress, like I said, 1906, passed the Antiquities Act, said that presidents have the authority to establish national monuments to protect monument objects, if it's fossils, if it's sacred sites, if it's unique ecosystems or geology, and the state and the counties feel that the law has been too expansively read and the presidents shouldn't have that authority. I think the state and the counties wish it were otherwise wished they had more say over how these lands are being managed. And is that because there is a lot of potential for like mining and profit to be made from this land? No, not really. Um, what I think the counties would like to see is more grazing. They would like to see more exploratory drilling for oil, for gas, for coal, for other minerals. But these places don't really have that much of those resources. I really think it comes down to a much more philosophical argument about who gets to have the loudest voice over how these federal lands are managed. And the counties and others wish that local residents would have an outsized voice. And I come back to this point that these are federal lands. And while those voices are a part of the mix and a part of the equation, they're not the loudest voice and they shouldn't be the loudest voice. So what is it about the National Monument distinction that makes that land unusable for what these counties might want to use it for? When President Biden restored the full size of the Grand Staircase, he withdrew those lands. He reserved them saying they're not open to new mining claims. They're not open to new oil, gas, or coal leasing. And then the monument proclamations set the floor for how those areas are going to be managed. Let's say a county would like to see more or new off-road vehicle trails, uh, and the BLM would determine whether or not that activity is consistent with managing the area as a national monument. And if it's not, then that use isn't allowed. National monuments are all federal managed lands overseen by a variety of agencies. So, for example, when in the few years after Trump acted and before Biden had restored them, all of the lands that were formerly the Grand Staircase were still public lands, but they were managed differently. And then on the other side of this argument, there are many tribes around here that consider that land sacred. So did they sort of have a voice in this in this argument or sort of like, what's the other side of this? Yeah, so there's five tribal nations who make up the Bears Ears Intertribal Coalition. Four of those five tribes intervened on behalf of the United States to defend the designation of the Bears Ears National Monument. So those tribes had a seat at the table, were filing briefs in court, urging the court to turn away these lawsuits. At the same time, Southern Utah Wilderness Alliance and a coalition of other conservation groups 
similarly intervened on behalf of the United States, though we have been working on both Bears Ears and Grand Staircase. And so like the tribes, we uh, filed briefs in support of the United States, and we also argued that the cases should be dismissed. On Monday, the state of Utah appealed the decision, which means the case will be brought to the Federal Court of Appeals. In the meantime, Bears Ears and Grand Staircase Escalante will remain national monuments. Block says he doesn't expect a decision to be made until about a year from now. The Southern Utah Wilderness Alliance was one of many organizations that rallied to defend the national monuments during the lawsuit. You can find more information about the lawsuit in today's show notes. In 2020, the Environmental Protection Agency declared an emergency action in Telluride, Colorado, and proceeded to evacuate some 15 acres of mining waste just outside of town. This action is now over, but the town continues to grapple with the remnants of its mining history. KOTO's Gavin McGough reports on ongoing efforts at the site. Megan Eno, the U.S. Forest Service Ranger with the Norwood District, is walking on the valley floor south of the Sunoco gas station near the bridge at Boomerang Road. Like where we're standing right now, if we were to rewind time to 2019, uh, there was a trail that paralleled this very spot that we're looking at, um, which was straight up mine tailings, right? There was no vegetation growing. The area was a known problem for the Forest Service. Lead levels in soil at the site were thousands of times above what federal agencies deem acceptable. Meanwhile, despite posted warning signs, the site was a popular destination for bikers and other recreators. Concerned about the level of public exposure to the tailings, Eno contacted the Environmental Protection Agency to do a site visit back in 2019. Just being on site with the EPA and the Forest Service and our other partners quickly realized that 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 risk is real. We're not really able to keep people from recreating on those mine tailings. And that's what spurred sort of the immediate action. It also helped that we saw children that day. (laughs) Um, So it's very inspiring, right, to be like, it's better better to do this now than to wait. Work on the tailings began almost immediately following the visit, and the project unfolded and expanded over the following summers, says Eno. So when the EPA mobilized in 2021, they had kind of an initial estimate like, oh, we're going to remove something to the tune of like 15,000 cubic yards of material. But like with anything, that was a surface observation. And as they dug, they just continued to find more. So while we thought this was going to be a one season removal action, ended up being into two over 2021 and 2022. And they ultimately ended up removing 30,000 cubic yards. Contaminated soils were scraped off a 15-acre portion of the valley floor, beginning at the Boomerang Bridge and stretching west along the course of the San Miguel. Over two summers, the EPA then trucked the tailings across town and deposited them under management by the Newmont Mining Company, east of Telluride. Joni Sandoval, a federal on-scene coordinator with the EPA, says all project goals were completed. We successfully removed all of the tailings material from the valley floor. Um, And so the threat to human health and the environment was mitigated. And we consider that a big success, right? You know, we kept the trails open for recreation. There were no safety issues. We, um, you know, for the work workers or community, we had done air monitoring and had no um, detections. I definitely took pride in the work that we did there. Last fall, the EPA put down some seed material and returned management of the site back to the Forest Service. USFS is now partnering with Trout Unlimited, a national conservation group, to turn the focus of the project from remediation to restoration. 
Tanner Banks is working on habitat restoration with Trout Unlimited. Looking around at the vast swath of gravel and dirt, he recognizes the EPA's first round of seeding last fall has not led to immediate results. Obviously, you know, we haven't had a, a great success in recruitment. It's, you know, there's, I've seen worse, and but in this type of a setting, in this riparian corridor, vegetation is obviously going to help drive how the, the ecosystem functions long term. So that is certainly one of the big goals. Banks and Eno estimate a full revegetation effort could take some three to five years and will be a collaborative process, dependent on grant funding and open to community input. For members of the public concerned with the bald patch left on Telluride's beloved valley floor, Sandoval urges patience. It takes years um, for root systems to get established and really take off. It's not uncommon to see things have a little slow start to revegetation, but it will come back. As the area deals with its mining past, each remediation project progresses differently. In the summer of 2020, the town of Telluride completed its own project on the valley floor, which opted to cap tailings and reroute the river rather than move contaminated materials to a new location. The habitat at that site is already returning in full. The EPA is shifting its focus to tailings downstream along the Galloping Goose Trail in Lawson. Residents who have watched the emergency action at Boomerang with concern say they hope for a different process this time around. Nancy Kraft, a resident of Lawson, met me at the tailing site below the Galloping Goose. I think, you know, there are examples right in the area, just upstream on the valley floor, where the town of Telluride had an extremely successful tailings remediation and revegetation. I hope that rather than declare an emergency action here, EPA will take all the time necessary with lots of public input and come up with a project that's going to really achieve the goals. For those like Kraft, who have watched the EPA's work at Boomerang, the transfer of management back to the Forest Service marks the end of a chapter and the beginning of a long road towards restoration. Up and down the banks of the San Miguel, efforts to reckon with an industrial past are certain to continue. This is Gavin McGough. And that's the KZMU News for Tuesday, August 15th. Get your community-powered journalism weekdays on the airwaves at noon and 6 p.m. You can also find KZMU News anytime online at kzmu.org or wherever you listen to podcasts.